Hey, Brown Girls, Ashanti here with a bonus episode of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics featuring some of the new women leading the National Women's March. The 2017 Women's March was named one of the top moments of the decade. We're here today because of the power of women. The Women's March is kicking off 2020 with marches across the country on January 18th that will be preceded by a week of events that will focus on reproductive freedom, immigration, and climate change. I was able to speak to three of the new board members of the Women's March, Sami Assad, Lucy Flores, and Issa Noyola, about what made them get politically involved, how they are fighting for women's rights and advancements, and what participants can expect at the march. First, Issa Noyola. Issa is Deputy Director of Mijente, a political, digital, and grassroots hub for Latinx and Chicanx organizing and movement building. Issa identifies as a trans-Latina activist and cultural organizer and is passionate about abolishing oppressive systems that criminalize trans and queer immigrant communities of color. Issa, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you. So you just have this amazing bio that I read. You have done (laughs) so much stuff. What drove you to get politically engaged? I've been asked this question many times, and I think I've always said the same thing in that what brought me to this work is um, just the sheer survival of my community. And I think with the violence gender-based violence that is takes a toll on us and on many levels, right? From um, domestic violence to um, state violence to the murders of trans women of color. I was, I've lost, I've suffered so much loss over the years. You know, I've um, attended many funerals. I've uh, attended many vigils and rallies. And I think to me, that wasn't enough for me to just stay in sorrow, but actually to channel some of that rage and anger into fighting for communities and all that we deserve, which is like a healthy life, which is a fulfilling life in our communities um, and our relationships. So, And you touched on this just a little bit in your response. You identify as a trans-Latina activist, and we are seeing so many of our trans sisters, unfortunately, being murdered for being their authentic selves. And one of the things that I do appreciate is in the presidential cycle, we are seeing a lot of candidates who are speaking up and bringing attention, which is what we need our leaders to do. So with the Women's March happening, how are you all centering these types of conversations in your work? You know, the work to to make the Women's March and just any organization and, and the movement more intersectional it's a it's a long path and journey. It is it doesn't happen in one instance, nor through one presidential cycle, nor through one sort of intervention. And I think um, the march is just a beginning of that. And building and cultivating relationships with organizations um, that have felt maybe not seen. And you know, I think there's just a lot of work to do still. Um, I've been in this work of violence prevention um, against women and gender-based violence. And I have seen this movement grow in many ways. And there's still so many challenges ahead of, you know, to really try to center 
those most directly impacted to really think about um, how to really have an analysis around racial justice, to really have an analysis around repro justice or immigrant justice. It takes time. And I think the exciting part of the Women's March um, recently that I've seen is just the zeal that folks have to, and that openness to really engage in a meaningful way to um, not just check off boxes and to, um, yeah, really kind of struggle in a principled way um, with communities that maybe have in the past felt not included. And so I think this rally is and is is really symbolic in, in a shift for the Women's March in that we are really trying to create more room and space and understanding of, you know, the breadth of, of and diversity of gender in, in its many forms and understand and unpack it for our communities. Because uh, at the end of the day, it shouldn't just be a conversation that is had, you know, in just major urban hubs, right? That it should, it's actually something that impacts rural communities. It impacts communities um, that are often not seen or not heard of in the news cycle, right? And so, um, you know, this these issues have impact all of us. Just so brilliantly said, they do impact all of us. So I want to talk a little bit about the work that you do at Mijente. You're the deputy director there. And Mijente is a political, digital, and grassroots hub for Latinx and Chicanx organizing and movement building. And I talk to just so many young women, especially, who don't know how to get engaged. And they're like, where do I start? Is this really for me? So tell us more about the work that Mahente does and why should young Latinx and Chicanx organizers attend the march? You know, uh, you know, the work that we do is building a political home and, and building a home is has many parts. You know, there's the kitchen, there's the living room, there's the sunroom, you know, and I think it is at least in, in thinking about how I got engaged in this work, it was just like, what is really impacting my community? What is really happening in my backyard? What is happening around me in my neighborhood? And so I think to me, the you know, mi gente is working at, on many levels, both on the grassroots local level with community leaders that are doing direct services, um, really thinking about how to, th- uh, thinking about safety when raids, there are ICE raids. We're supporting leadership that is emerging in the electoral uh, work that we're doing, um, where candidates are running for city positions and offices, you know, and I think that to me, that is that groundswell of Latinx leadership, of Latinx women, Latina women is really an important part. It's I think it's a part of this larger phenomenon that's been happening recently um, that we're seeing, that we're also seeing at the Women's March um, that is happening globally. We're seeing women who are just tired of the same old, same old, we're seeing women who are tired and fed up of the violence of systems of patriarchy that have oppressed us for so for so long. And we're seeing that uprising uh, from those most directly impacted. We're seeing folks taking the streets, using public space in a very powerful way. And we're seeing that here in the United States as well. And we're just unifying our voices with that of so many women across the globe who are doing incredible, incredible work under such state repression, under such state violence, um, under just dire circumstances where indigenous women are really fighting to protect the land, where we're seeing women who are thinking about our bodies as not just vessels for the state to control from the religious right who is seeking to control them, right? And so, 
you know, we're just seeing this emergence of beautiful, beautiful leadership from women around the world. And I think Mijenta is a part of that. Um, the Women's March is a part of that. And uh, we're going to see more of that for sure at the march. And, you know, I think that what better way to start the year than such a powerful demonstration, right? In to kind of bring our communities together, even though that there's still so much to figure out, even though there might be differences, even though there might be some struggles, even though there might be some uh, ways that our communities are not seeing each other. But I think that, you know, these moments are really important and critical to help build those relationships um, in in a forward path. Lucy is a former Nevada State Assemblywoman, former candidate for Congress, lawyer, and media entrepreneur. She is the CEO and co-founder of Luz Collective. Luz Collective focuses on multi-channel storytelling that positively reinforces the massive power and potential of U.S. Latinas. And it's the first March since the Women's March created this new, amazing, diverse board of women that includes you. So what made you want to join the board of the Women's March? Um, I ask myself that often. <laughs> um, you know, more than anything, I I became aware of the Women's March and I got involved with the Women's March, just like millions of other women and people, not just across this country, but across the world. Trump was elected. Everyone was feeling like, oh, my gosh, we have to do something. What do we do? This organic movement just kind of popped up. Everybody decided we have to take to the streets. We have to let people know that that we will not tolerate this, that we will fight back, et cetera. And it was just like this incredible moment. And, you know, I've tried to support and I've tried to be involved to the extent that I can. I'm a former elected official from Nevada and still very politically active. And so, you know, it obviously made sense for there to be an additional outlet to continue organizing and advocating and, you know, just leveraging in a way that we could use to continue the the opposition to all of this. So when the opportunity came up, because the former leadership were turned out of their positions, I was asked to consider maybe submitting an application for the new board. And, you know, I thought, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this, even though I am incredibly busy with so many other projects, including launching my own media company. I, of course, was like, yeah, sure. This sounds like something I could do. Um, But more than anything, it just felt like, I, I mean, what an incredible opportunity to continue organizing with so many amazing women and then also just continuing to do my part to, you know, try to improve our our situation and just leave this place a little better than we found it. What advice do you have for those who are thinking about getting politically engaged and why the Women's March is a great place to get started? You know, when I first, I I went to my background, of course, is is very different um, from really most folks involved. Well, I mean, it's changing now because we are starting to break the the stereotype and the mold of, and, you know, what it means, what type of person can actually run and be elected to office or be involved in politics or be involved in your community. You know, we're now starting to change the face of what that looks like. You don't, you no longer have to be an old white man that went to an Ivy League university, right? Like you can, you can look just like everybody else and people will vote for you. And and but so when I was first elected in 2010 to the state legislature, I had only just recently voted for the very first time in my entire life. My background is not one that 
would that would lead anybody to believe that I would end up being the first Latina ever elected to the state legislature in the history of Nevada um, and, you know, have an almost 10 year career in politics and end up on the executive board of the National Women's March, et cetera. I went through the school to prison pipeline. I was on juvenile parole by the time I was 15. Um, my mother abandoned my family when I was nine. I ended up dropping out of high school when I was 17. I spoke openly about my choice to have an abortion during legislative testimony. So, you know, I've, I have a very different type of background, and yet I still ended up in politics. And the way that that happened is because during the 2008 election for Obama, I, like so many others across this country, were inspired by this idea that that as individuals, we could do something in our community. For me, that ended up running for office and being elected in my last year of law school. But for so many others, it can look so many different ways. And that to me is what is so powerful about the Women's March is that, you know, you can go from being relatively inexperienced or not having, you know, quote unquote, a typical background or, um, you know, not having any interaction whatsoever in community organizing or political campaigns or or, you know, just any interaction whatsoever with your government, your local government, your state government, federal government, et cetera. And yet all you need is just that one thing, you know, that one step. And for me, that was picking up a yard sign um, for Obama's campaign. And literally two years later, I was being sworn into the state legislature. So I just think, you know, the Women's March gives that entry point. You know, it gave that entry point to millions and millions and millions of women and people. It created these leadership opportunities for so many women. You know, women across the country started organizing and they launched their own marches. And there was these sister marches and and then they continued uh, organizing and building from there. And that's what's so beautiful about it is that it really brings you know, this idea that individuals can bring change to their communities and it doesn't have to be that hard. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be this foreign concept, you know, that you have no idea what to do. Like, where do I even get started? Well, go to a women's march. That's where you can get started. Pick up a sign. And, and you do start to get a sense of like, okay, yeah, this, there's, a, there's a place for me. And you alluded to this earlier, you started your own media company. So you launched the Luz Collective and it was established to tell the stories of Latinas. What was your inspiration for starting this project? You know, my inspiration for launching Luz Collective actually started the moment I ran for office <laughs> and I just didn't even realize it. You know, for me being the first Latina, I was the first, but I was not the first. It was myself and three other Latinas. We were all elected at the same time. And it was amazing. I, I'm so glad that I had I felt like, you know, we were like the we were the squad before there was the squad, I guess. <laughs> um, and 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 it was just nice. It's nice to have that kind of support and to know that you're not doing something scary and historic all by yourself. And but the thing about that was that we were elected in 2010. This was just 10 years ago in a state, the state of Nevada, that is almost half Latinx, that is almost, you know, in California, uh, the Latino community is the majority. In some counties, for example, like L.A. County, where I currently live, Latinas are the majority of women 
And and so, you know, but you don't see that. You don't see that reflected in mass media. You don't see that reflected on TV. You don't see that reflected in news programs. You certainly don't see that reflected across our state government and our federal government. And, and you know, this community is the largest community of women of color in this entire country. There's 30 million, almost 30 million Latinas in this country. And, and you just don't see that. And so I, of course, became a very vocal advocate for my community, but also uh, women of color, Latinas, Latinx community, et cetera, right? Like trying to be a voice amongst however many voices we could get. Um, and so that ultimately led me to once I, I took a break from elected office and actually, um, you know, in politics um, as a candidate or an elected official, I ended up in digital media. And that was just such an incredible opportunity. I mean, the digital media company that I was at, I said to myself, well, I mean, if there isn't a platform that's focusing on on Latinas and and really dismantling stereotypical Latina narratives and and challenging and disrupting what it means to be what people think it means to be um, a Latina in the United States, then I guess I just have to do it myself. <laughs> so, you know. Samia prides herself on being a Palestinian Muslim American who is a grassroots feminist and mother of nine. She has advocated for, as well as organized for, oppressed, poor, and marginalized people locally, nationally, and internationally. What I wanted to start with is I was reading your bio, and one of the many perspectives that you bring to the women's movement is being a mother of nine children. There are so many moms out there who think that they can't get politically involved. What advice do you have for them? And why would attending the Women's March be a great starting point? Well, I think the fact that you're a mom and you're trying to build a future for your kids should be the incentive behind joining the Women's March. For me, uh, the mother of nine, I had gotten involved with local organizing. My kids got involved with the grassroots uh, justice programs and youth programs. And that's how I started to volunteer for some of the community activism that happens uh, here in Albuquerque. And I, I understood feminism, you know, as a Palestinian American, it was hard for me to understand feminism to connect, uh, like from a second wave, you know, perspective, even though I understood, you know, I stood on the shoulders of giants, but until I really got into grassroots activism and, and a perspective of grassroots feminism and started to champion some of the campaigns that I really got involved in, when the Women's March came about and we saw the leadership that reflected somebody like me, a Palestinian and women of color who led that movement, yes, I was the first on the street and uh, I championed uh, the uh, campaigns here in New Mexico, and we ended up taking two bus delegations to D.C. It was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. It's one of those moments in life that you never forget. Marching among one million women in, in uh, D.C. was something you'll never forget about, but it is it has built something within me that I would never, ever turn my back to a movement like that, I would always want it to uplift and, and build and bring voice to that platform as much as I can. So every woman, no matter what socioeconomic group you come from, what economic background you have, what uh, educational background you have, what uh, community you come from, you have to have uh, uh, the motivation to try 
to integrate different uh, uh, communities, try to integrate to different platforms, and to really open up yourself into understanding different communities and understanding different causes and understanding how, how intersectional the movement is right now. There's a place for you, there's a voice for you, and we, at the end of the day, want a better world for our daughters, for our women, for our sons, for our men. We want a better world. And what better way to build humanity than the Women's March? Mm, that is so great. And one of the things that I want to talk about is you mentioned that you've been involved in a lot of campaigns in New Mexico, but you have also facilitated and mediated many community conversations and continue to work on addressing anti-racism, Islamophobia, xenophobia, anti-Semitism. How will we see this addressed in the march? I started to work on the anti-Semitism issue uh, last year when we had the trauma nationally and all the drama and all the, uh, the headlines that happened. I had to find a perspective that would not shun away the Jewish sisters, but would bring in the black sisters, would bring in the Jewish sisters, would bring in the Muslim Palestinian sisters, the indigenous, the Chicano, every voice in the room to talk about how do our struggles connect. So I held community conversations from that lens to where how do we address hatred that targets all of us? Because at the end of the day, hate and power and patriarchy wants to divide us. What's the unifying principle that makes us fight every day for our own human rights? So as I address anti-Muslim bias, I'm going to find what connects to anti-black racism or anti-indigenous racism or anti-Jewish racism. Anti-Semitic attacks were just... Uh, as much hateful as the anti-Muslim uh, attacks, or look at the black community. All the, the mass shootings that we had around the country in the last couple of years, we need to sit down and talk about this and hold space and conversate and really have an open heart to listen to one another. My experience was that as soon as you offered that space and you came from a place of just listening, it brought so much harmony, it brought so much peace, and people just wanted to be, you know, heard, wanted their trauma and their pain to be recognized. As soon as I saw that in the room, people calmed down, people started to, you know, um, to connect, they're at ease. And I think this kind of line of communication and building is, is the way we move forward in the future. But definitely a restorative justice lens to the way we treat uh, uh, problems, or, and, and, and we need to transform any conversations that would have us divide sisters. No longer will we tolerate the division of different opinions. It is more about bringing everybody in. There's room enough for all our voices, but how we continue to grow with one another and understand one another is the key to our success. And that just leads perfectly into my next question is, you know, what are some of the ways that our listeners can support our Muslim sisters like yourself that are fighting against Islamophobia, especially in this current political climate? Uh, going to visit your mosques, going to visit communities. That's extremely important. And of course, uplifting any of the Muslim organizations in each of your community. I'm for Adv uh, advancing local organizers anywhere across the country. Uh, we have to uplift those voices and build with them. And uh, I hope as the years go by, we take this, this platform that we built with this Women's March to continue building with the Sisterhood for Life, 
that continues to feed our soul, to, to better our humanity, to better our relationships, and to further understand and love one another and respect one another. So we're a few days away from the march. Women from all walks of life, all backgrounds are going to be gathering. Give us three words to describe what people can expect that are attending the march. Uh, power, you know, the, the power to build, the power to overcome. And I think people will feel that power. It'll be palpable. Um, I expect to find hope. I expect to find energy. And I expect to find inspiration. Well, we're going to shut it down, so I can tell you, all right? <laughs> to find out more about how to participate in the march and its activities, visit womensmarch.com. Until next episode, Brown Girls.